what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know who it is. This is Kevin from the Court Progression Podcast. Hey, everybody. We're still in the middle of November, and we are still bringing you the heat because 2022 has been a great year for all this new music. Are we going to bring you more new music that's good? <laughs> you better believe we are. We've got a great band for you today, and they're all the way from Australia. <gasps> oh, yeah. Before we jump in, I want to thank our sponsor. First off, man. Escaped. So yes, it's the holiday season. It's the holiday season, or it's gonna be the holiday season. Or if you're like me, you're gonna listen to Dragon and go this holiday. I wanna be alone. I can't get this on my own. Something like that. I I, I kind of hope they play when I get to go see him play live after thanksgiving because that'd be awesome but yeah it's the holidays you know you're probably gonna be doing some shopping at this point or it's right before thanksgiving but you're probably already looking to do some shopping looking to get that stuff off your list looking to get something good for someone in your life that needs some help down there maybe they got a wild maybe it's like oh we just want to make sure your boys are taken care of down there so make sure you go to manscaped.com and pick up something for them might I suggest, you know, they've probably got a bunch of kits out there for you to get. You get the Lawnmower 4.0. It's their trimmer. It's got skin-safe technology. Make sure you don't get those nick cuts so you're not going down there going, ah, 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 I still love to say that. You get the Weed Whacker, which is going to be the nose and the ear trimmer. You get the Crop Preserver Anti-Chipping Ball Deodorant, which works like a charm. The Crop Reviver. Made of approximate manscape to make sure that the person in your life knows that you care for their boys down there. Absolutely. Go to manscaped.com, get something for the person in your life that needs help down there, grooming-wise, and get 20% off a free shipping code CPP at manscaped.com. Link strips the podcast. Thank you, Manscaped. Now to our feature presentation. I want to thank Sharp Tone Records for showing us these guys and be like, hey, check them out. See if you want to bring them to the podcast. I was like, Haha, yes, yes, yes. So the band is called The Gloom in the Corner. Yes. We have Mikey from the band on the podcast. The band released their brand new album called Trinity on October 28th, 2022. So you can check it out now. And it is one hell of a concept album. There's a whole entire epic lore story behind it. It has been the arc for the story has been talked about in their previous album from 2016 called Fear Me. Their EPs Homecoming, Flesh and Bones, and Ultima Pluvia go into this arc as well but now it's a brand new arc for trinity and this album is chock full of great music epic sounds and features like monique pym from reliqua like rio formally from crystal lake like let's see if there's more monica strutt from the last martyr like taylor barber from left to suffer like amanda duffield um like lauren babick from red-handed denial let's see who else we got on here for features oh ryan kirby from fit for a king and one we talk about a lot joe botolato from fit for an autopsy please give mikey a big welcome as we're doing this podcast he's also working hard as well so please welcome mikey to the podcast are you ready let's go yeah well 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 ladies and gentlemen boys and girls listeners of the chord progression podcast one of the big things you've been hearing me say a lot about Australian metal, metalcore, whatever it is, is, my God, it's like every time you listen to something, it just absolutely hits every step of the way. These bands do not miss. 
All of a sudden, I saw this band come across my email. I thought, you know what? Let's check them out. Let's take a listen to it. Two songs in, and it was a guarantee this band does not miss like all those great Australian metal and metalcore bands out there. Their brand new album, Trinity, will be out. I believe it's on October 20th, so most likely by the time this podcast comes out, you'll be able to go and listen to it. There is a whole entire story that goes along with it. This album has so many features on it as well where... It's going to hit every step of the way, no matter what side you like. It's big, it's theatrical, it's epic. I don't know what other way to describe it, so let's talk all about it. So please welcome Mikey from the band, The Gloom in the Corner of the Podcast. So Mikey, welcome to the Chord Progression Podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for being on, man. How is everything going in your world right now? You know, I know you're at work right now, and thank you for taking the time doing this while you're at work. Pleasure to have you on, but... You know, as we're recording this, leading up to the release of the album, how is everything getting on your end? Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, you know, we're super stoked with everything that's been going on so far, with uh, everything that we've worked for with Sharp Tone and everything. Um, and we couldn't be happier. So. Yeah. Net- <laughs> yeah. It's, like it's, just, so- it's just incredible to see, really. I'm just, I, for the most part, I'm just speechless. Well, that is a good thing to hear because, I mean, the best thing to have happen is, especially when I'm like this, get it out there, get it out to the people and just let this thing be as good as possible, be as big of a banger as possible. I mean, right when I got it sent to me, I think it was from Sharptone, all of a sudden just looking through it, all the features on it were just intense. I don't know how to describe it. Those features were absolutely intense. I mean, we had Rio, formerly of Crystal Lake. I know uh, Ryan Kirby from Fit for a King was on here. Got to make sure I take a look at the rest of my notes. I know I had the other thing. Uh, Joe Botolato from Fit for an Autopsy. I mean, there are so many different features. Left to Suffer, Lauren Baddock from uh, Red Hand and Nile. It's just, I, I know there's a lot of features in here, but they do such a great job, or you guys did such a great job with them, to really make this story feel as full by using all those different features to bring forward different characters in the story. So how did you guys get all these features on this album, and how did you guys make this happen? Because it seems like every song, there's at least one feature. It's nuts. It's nuts. Um, half of the people that we're like that we got are actually like we're friends with. Um, so a lot of people. Sorry, I'm Um, a lot of the people that we got, like I said, we're actually friends with. So it makes things a little bit easier. Um, but like a lot of those bigger names, like they have to give credit where credit is due. Um, I'll take out a little bit. Talk out manager who's also in fit for a king. Um. But yeah, he helps with a lot of that side of things and helps kind of piece, well, piece uh, everyone together um, at the end of the day. But, you know, like, regardless, it was incredible working with them. They absolutely killed all the spots and everything. Like, we couldn't be more happy with uh, everything that we got back. I mean, you would have to be happy with everything you got back. It's listening to this album, listening to how everything got put together with these features. It's they add so much of this different style to it. I, I, I got to go. L- Rio, formerly of Crystal Lake, just the intense style that he's able to go with just brings forward such a more intense, raw, just energetic emotion all the way through. Then you get uh, Joe from Fit for an Autopsy, just that lower, more deathcore kind of style, especially at the end when you're kind of, uh, showing who the narrator is annihilated. Like, story. Yep. just absolutely <laughs> annihilated or having some of the uh, female features on there as well I want to call out um, what you had in Red Clouds with uh, Crystal, Jelena, Elijah Witt and Rachel Jefferson just the amount of different features on that song is to bring forward all those different characters and bring forward such a perspective from your three main characters in the story through that one song specifically 
I mean, it's really hard to make a song with three featured other vocalists come out as well as it did. But man, you guys absolutely hit on, on that one with Red Clouds. Thank you, thank you. We took, like Red Clouds is one of the toughest ones. I think was probably one of the final ones finished besides Hail to the King. Um, just from like a musical standpoint and from like a guest vocalist standpoint, we really, well, I really wanted to make sure that we nailed the tonality and everything that um, was needed for the story. Uh, also, it just gave me an excuse to get wit on a song and bully him for it. Um, <laughs> he's one of the people that we're friends with, so it's a lot of fun. Um, but no, like. Yeah, Red Clouds was definitely a tough one, but I think it paid off at the end. Oh, it absolutely did pay off in the end. I mean, when I was going through this album, I mean, you have 13 songs in there. I was taking a look at the start, the songs they have little stars next to in terms of my, okay, these are the songs that were the ones that stood out to me, and Red Clouds is one of those that definitely got that little, little star next to it. So if this oh, yeah. was one of the hardest ones to put together, I mean, hard work pays off in this instance. It hits with such a different sort of tonality with – a little bit of this longer intro going into a little bit more of this building up epic intro to all of a sudden, boom, now it's full force a couple minutes in. And then you're just really feeling it the rest of the way through on a five minute track. And just the story behind it just really takes into it. That is one thing I do want to jump into because with this album, it seems like with your first album, with a couple of EPs you came out in between the first album and this album, you've been telling this gigantic long story throughout the whole entire thing. So I want to have make sure everyone knows what is the story that you are telling with this album and the story that you've been telling up to this point. I want to make sure everyone knows about it. So the previous previous arc story um, basically follows like this secret organization um, that's not too dissimilar to the SCP the SCP Foundation. Um, people who know what that is. It's pretty much like uh, an organization that polices and uh, controls the supernatural community um and all of our previous arc focused on two operators who worked for that organization and the bad shenanigans that they got up to um this arc moving forward because they died uh at the end of it focuses on three other characters who died throughout that previous arc and their journey through hell to get back to the mortal realm um and that's pretty much where Red Clouds kicks in as well. Like the mortal, like they come back to the mortal realm. Spoiler alert. Um, but the catch twenty two is that they don't know that the people that they love, who they're returning for, have actually died. Um, so yeah, it's very, very much inspired by like uh, the Divine Comedy or Dante's Inferno, um, and like a lot of those kinds of tales, I guess you could say, um, or redemption arcs, I guess you could say. But it's it's how everything just kind of goes wrong instead. <laughs> That's my favorite thing about Gloom is I like to take like those kinds of tropes that a lot of people will put into like superhero movies or like action movies, etc. It's like, oh, the good guys always win at the end kind of thing. Where it's like with Gloom, it's always like the bad guys win. And there's no, it's a, I mean, going back to another Catch-22, every character is a bad guy, but they never win, but they always never lose either. It's a lose-lose situation for everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it's like in that situation, your your main character, even though they're not the your character in the best in the best situation, you're not you know good. They're evil. They're not you know losing entirely to the point where they're not letting the other person win, but they're also not winning at the same time as well. So it's kind of you're always stuck in this cycle of winning and losing to the point where you're always stuck in the exact same point. You're not moving forward. You're not moving backwards. You're like stuck in purgatory at that. Yeah. 
say as, if, if that yeah, makes sense. Much. I'll say if that I'm makes sure sense. But but one thing I did like what you said about it was um, when you're talking about, you know, superhero movies, action movies, how any big Hollywood production, it always comes out with the hero winning. No matter what happens, you're always sitting in those movies. You're watching a superhero movie like you're watching um, Avengers Endgame. You knew that Thanos was not going to survive. It, the whole question was how. But you already knew that that wasn't going to happen. You know, in every single like action hero movie, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, Rambo's going to end up kicking ass. Or uh, John McClane's going to end up, you know, knocking Hans Gruber off the, or knocking him <laughs> off the, you know, the tower. And, you know, Christmas is saved, basically. But one thing that always stuck out to me, my cousin told me this. His favorite Star Wars movie of all time was Star Wars Episode Five because in that one, evil actually won. It was much more realistic. It wasn't that, you know, big frill, flare high thing. I mean, yeah, Han Solo gets frozen in carbonite. Luke Skywalker loses his arm. The, the Empire is stronger than ever. The, the Rebellion's in a much worse state than it was at the beginning of the movie. And how good was Star Wars Episode Five? I mean, exactly. come on. It, it speaks to have more of this realism because good doesn't always win. And in this case, especially with what you're showing here with this album and the story that goes beyond it, beyond it, because especially when you get to the end, when you get to Hail of the King, I mean, it really, really, really stands out. Yes, it does. And as I said, like, that was kind of the point going forward is that, like, I mean, a big part of it is you can see it in the character of Rachel. Like, she was, like, when she was in the Fear Me Art, she died quite literally at the start. She was the catalyst of everything that moved forward in the story. Um, and with her coming in and being the main character of this record, I kind of wanted to transfer that over again of being, like, she's the catalyst of everything going wrong, but she's still kind of, like, the last good thing up until the end of uh, No Hell of Fury where she just goes batshit. Um, and so that, <laughs> and again, like following that same philosophy of even like the good people turn out bad at the end of the day. And it's so funny because I have a lot of friends who kind of like, they love making memes and stuff like that. I have a friend who's like always been very distrustful of Rachel in the story. She's always been like, oh, I reckon she's up to something bad. And I'm like, she's not up to something bad per se, but she doesn't do much good either. <laughs> like it's not, it's not for lack of trying really um but yeah i always yeah i always like trying to follow those tropes and everything like that because it always makes things a little bit more interesting compared to everything else it, it does it, it deviates from the norm but it also speaks to more of a realistic standpoint as well using the character of rachel like going into a obliteration imminent the second song on the record because trying to go through the lyrics especially on myself trying to follow along with the story it feels like with the character of, of rachel it seems like there no matter what she does it's if she's trying to make something happen for the positive, there's always something negative that's going to be brought out there. Whether she's trying to save someone that she loves, but there's also going to be this innate fear that holds her back of, am I good enough to actually do this? So as there's things that's yeah. pu pushing her forward to try and get her to, you know, be successful in her endeavors and do good, there's always something else that's pulling her back so that it's like a evil or a badness that's pulling her back to the point where she's always stuck in the exact same point. And Anything that goes good, it goes bad. So she's always going back to this equilibrium standpoint of honestly feeling like she's just in this purgatory state where nothing really ever happens because there's always going to be this, whatever action is taken, there's always going to be an equal and opposite reaction to bring her back to that center point where nothing really goes right, but nothing goes wrong. Say, it's just, you're it, in the middle. It's kind of like you're right with the equilibrium standpoint. Um, but I almost feel like when I wrote it, it feels like that every time she 
takes one step forward, she takes two steps back. So it's almost like she gets worse and worse as the record goes along. Yeah, no matter what, it's no matter what, things just keep getting worse, and then that's all of a sudden. Then you get to uh, once you get to song number eleven, because I know you mentioned earlier, or Norhella Fury, and then it's just she just goes batshit crazy, just completely goes off. And I mean, when it comes to a theme from this from that song, especially with Hell Norhella Fury, it seemed like you know that was the phrase. Hell knows no fear like a woman's score. And it was like, this was the perfect song to really encapsulate that with her just going absolutely just mental, crazy, nuts. Just all this, it's kind of all of a sudden, like all that fear, anxiety, anything that was pulling her back is now being used as motivation just to push everything forward. And now whatever she's trying to do to go and be successful and accomplish her goal, now it's whoever's holding her back is now reversed and is more like that catalyst or that motivation to make that happen. Yeah, and I feel like I like I tried doing that as best as I could as well. Like not just from a uh, story or character development standpoint, but from a lyric standpoint too as well. Um, obviously, with the context of the song and everything, and what the song is about. Um, I feel like as well there's like there's so many different shifts in the character that are so noticeable in the song too. Like. You can tell that that character's just broken at that point. And, like, a really good way I feel like of doing it was all of Rachel's lyrics and all the other songs like Pandora's Box and Obliteration Imminent and Gravity um, and Red Clouds. Like, she never swears throughout the record. She's kind of, like, the last line of defense when it comes to being lawful good or, like, neutral good. And then when it gets to more Hell of Fury, like, she starts swearing and everything like that. It's, like, a nice change in, like, her tone language and everything like that. So I feel like the – I hope no Hell of Fury delivers. <laughs> Well, and then even instrumentally and just sonically, when you listen to that song or if anyone that listened to Norhella Fury, you can easily hear and feel that change as well because right from the get-go, it's you jump into yeah. this heavier, faster riff that reminds me a lot of the song Signal by Silent Planet. I thought it was the right choice to show oh, yeah, more of true. that scorn and anger that Rachel really feels in this. And because of the, fa- the, the fast pace behind there, the absolute ferocity of the instrumentation that's behind it. And then, I mean, I'll put it this way. Throughout the whole entire album, I kept hearing those, like, I'm not sure if it was electronically programmed in there or if you guys actually use some sort of violins or violas or strings of any kind. But whenever I hear something like that, no matter what song it is, especially if it's a heavier song, it adds more of this theatrical epicness to it. It's like I could put on this whole entire album. I could jump on and start playing Super Smash Bros. and just have the most epic fights of all time. If I was playing on the internet, playing online, playing against my buddies, just doing good old couch co-op on the N64 and going nuts, no matter what, these these battles are going to be the most epic thing possible because of the way that these this album is constructed, because of the way these songs are constructed, especially when you have those strings or if they're, if they're programmed or if they're real over top, I still couldn't tell. But no matter how you put them in there, because they're all over all these songs, it adds to this epic storytelling, kind of like you're listening to the, you know, those those classic epics, I'm trying to think, like Beowulf or something like that. Like you're feeling this just grander story coming out, this gigantic moment happening throughout this whole town because of how these are put in there. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely use, well, I mean, we can't afford an orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we, we use, like, we just MIDI everything, but thankfully, like, I was very selective with all of the different um packs that I use and stuff like that so like we but yeah no I, what was the question again I'm so sorry <laughs> uh we were, we were talking about just how you added a bunch of different all these different string sounds in there and just to create this full-on epic theatrical feel to this story every step of the way 
and just how you were selectively putting him in there the way you did so that it was just as grand as possible. Yeah. Um, so a lot of like a lot of my kind of background with music, I guess, or interest when it comes to music comes from a lot of film soundtracks and everything as opposed to uh, metal bands. Um, so when writing Trinity, I really did want to make it feel like a film or make it feel like that you're listening to a film. Um, so when writing everything, I kind of wrote everything in tandem with like strings, orchestra, and how I wanted everything to go in that aspect. Um, and with that, like if you take away like all the main instruments for Trinity, then you'll kind of get like this underlying soundscape that you could actually make into a song as opposed to, oh, I said that one, um, that you could actually make into a song without like all the instruments and everything on top of it. And that was kind of like the aim just to kind of engulf the person into the world. However, there is like fucking 700 layers of orchestra in each song. It's fucked. <laughs> That is an intense amount of layers, but talking from your background, like talking about, you know, movie soundtracks, those theatrical styles, you think about any type of movie, especially when you get to those epic climaxes of any single movie, especially from an action standpoint or adventure standpoint, you're always going to have some sort of orchestral feel to it, specifically from the strings and from some heavier, uh, especially from the toms and the drums as well. It builds up this feeling of, emotion this energy the certain drive if for whatever hero or villain is in there it's a, for them to go and accomplish their mission you take a look and you go in even video games as well like you know um skyrim or the god of war series and you go to like those final battles of the battles against any of those bosses and you get to a point where you listen to those soundtracks and they always add those theatrical components in there so that that moment feels as big as it should. It feels so much bigger in the grand scope of the game or the grand scope of the movie than any other part. And it wouldn't feel as big or wouldn't feel as grand if you didn't have those pieces in there. So for you to selectively put these in there in certain places in order to really create this story and really create those actionable moments or those climax moments of the story where you know, they're, they're fighting, they're trying to get those three pieces, they're trying to get back to the mortal world, and then at the end, they're trying to eradicate what had brought them there in the first place, and everything else in between there. It's just, you're building up so many of these major moments here, and if you didn't have those theatrical moments in there, and you didn't have those theatrical pieces in there, it wouldn't hit as hard as it would, it wouldn't be as grand as it would, and it could potentially fall flat, but you guys don't have that happening in this instance at all. Yeah, and I think, like, it's not just the orchestra as well that plays into it as well. Like, a lot of it's, like, soundscaping stuff and the use of sampling and stuff like that. I was lucky with the orchestra pack that, or one of the orchestra packs that I got, uh, shout out album one by Spitfire. Um, one of the orchestra packs that I got came with, like, all these kind of, it was labeled as effects, and I'm like, the fuck is this? And if you go through it, it's all very similar to stuff that you would hear in like Insidious or like a lot of like horror films and etc. And so that's what a lot of No Hell of Fury is based around. It's based, I kind of like when, if I put orchestra into this song, it's going to be a little bit too much and it's going to be a little bit over the top with the exception of a few sections here and there. What could I do instead to kind of build out that soundscape? And so I pretty much went through like all of the different sounds and everything in that pack. Um, to try and like fill out the soundscape and i did and it's there's some fucking stuff in there too um 
but it's like it's also like not just samples like that but it's also like actual samples too um behemoth is the one that's quite heavy for it and it's same thing with ronin like they're very like uh there's very much a few things in there which are homages to pop culture like the in ronin like the first riff um before, sorry, the riff before that first verse, where it's like, let, let me show you how God abandoned me. Underneath that is the E1M1 riff from Doom, as like my little as like my little nod to the Doom Slayer being like a huge inspiration behind Frozen as a character. Um, but then even in Behemoth, like when in like a couple of like the rap sections, you can't really hear it, but like there's stuff like um, the Predator like block on the laser noise and stuff like that. Um, there's like the Berserker Roar from Gears of War. Um, there's the Killian Air sample. Um, or I guess the Halo Recharge sample, like right before that third verse kicks in, like the Shield Recharge sample. Um, there's a whole heap of different stuff in there, just like as little nods, I guess you could say, to different pieces of pop culture. But it kind of like, it's kind of like, I specifically use the Recharge sample for that verse because it's kind of like the okay, like, he's being wounded at this point, but, like, a shield recharges over time. So we're going to, you know, put that in as, like, a little nod to Halo and everything like that, too. So, yeah, there's a whole heap of different stuff that, like, makes up the soundscape that's not just... Um, Okay, that is nuts, especially with all those different sounds there. Once you said you use the Berserker noise from Gears of War, my mind just yeah. went flying because... And when it came to, when it comes to any video game series, that's one of my favorites of all time. So I still remember when I was that's like, why, yeah, that's when I was thirteen years old. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's why the line is the uh, Baldwin China Shop line because it's the reference to that first mission with the Berserker in Gears of War One. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> oh my god. I, I can't believe that you guys put something like that in there, but hearing like hearing just you talking about all of your samples, but it's it's not the ones that you it's not like the just like oh you use these. It's the type of selection you use and where they came from in those different series. It's you're using you're using samples and you're using sounds from series, especially in pop culture, whether it's video games or you know, movies or anything like that, that really relate to the grander scale, the grander story that you're telling. I mean, think about it. With Gears of War, because that's the one that always pops and can be popping my head. You've got the human racer with the cogs, and they're facing off against the locust horde that's coming up from underneath. So you're you're going with this gigantic fantasy from a different world in the future, where these two different entities are battling it out every step of the way. And every time you go to a different act, in it, there's a brand new villain that is just even bigger and better than the next one coming through. So yep. using something like that, it just adds much more to this ferocity. It adds more to the epicness that is this story. And it flows so much better, especially when people start listening to this. And if they are able to pick up on those subtle nods and those subtle notes, what they're going to end up doing is they're going to relate now to their experiences with where those samples came from. Whether it's the Halo series or the Gears of War series or the Doom series, they're going to relate to that. They're going to relate their experiences to that and really be able to understand the emotion behind this whole entire story, the epicness behind this whole entire story, and really drive along with it and follow along with it as this album goes from top to bottom. Yeah, exactly. And that was my aim with it too. Like, anybody who knows me like knows I'm a huge like gamer and pop culture nerd. Um, and so it was a matter of like finding stuff that I can like subtly get away with. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, 100%. Like, it was very much along the lines of, you know, like, I want to pay homage to these things because of the experiences that I've had with these games as well. Um, 
and sometimes it's games, you know, that people haven't necessarily played. Like, I know Gears is a huge series, but I know so many of my mates who haven't played it. Um, and just, they don't know the dreaded fear of the Berserker Raw. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's very much like like what you said. Like, it's about, like, engulfing those people into that experience and, like, showing them, like, some of what I felt when going through it myself. I'm still kind of blown away with the whole entire Berserk thing because now I'm even thinking back to when I first played that game and the first time I heard it, I think even Marcus in the game was like, what the hell was that? That was my reaction. It was like, what am I getting myself into? Then you see the Berserker come through, you hear that screech, and it just charges at you. And once it touches you, you're you're done. Like, that's that's the whole entire point of the game. Once that thing touches you, you're done. So when it, you put it, something like that with that sample into this album and you feel that and you hear that, the first thing you feel is if you played those games is, okay, whatever's coming through is going to be both impossible, to, almost nearly impossible to destroy, or it's going to scare the living hell out of me. And for anyone who hasn't played the game, if they hear that scream, it's that scream sounds like the angel of death coming my way. Uh-huh. Pretty much. So, it's fucking, I still get nightmares like this. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I haven't, I haven't played that game in a long time, but I'm pretty sure right after we're done with this, right after I start putting some of this stuff together, I might need to take a break. I mean, to go, still got the good old Xbox 360 back there, popping Gears of War 1, and relive that fear all over again. <laughs> exactly. All while listening to this album at the exact same time, too, to really amp up the epicness of that whole entire show. Just keep adding to it and then get to that point. I might be so scared to the point where... You know, anything in Halloween doesn't even match up with it. <laughs> yeah. Plus, uh, you've got to get the Hammer of Dawn ready before you bail on that one. <laughs> no, yeah. That's the only way you can destroy that thing was with the Hammer of Dawn and uh, trying to find that thing, oh, trying to get it to work. To. Uh, too many too many, uh, too many, many days spent on my end trying to take that thing down. But uh, outside of, you know, using all those different samples... Again, it speaks so much not only to the knowledge that you have personally to really make these songs stand out as much as possible, but to use those samples and to use those little aspects there to really bring forward a further connection with other people because you, you talk to as many people as possible, probably as many people, are gonna, as many people ever, they'll listen to this album. They'll have at least played Doom or Gears of War or Halo at some point in their life. They will have some sort of connection to those sounds. And when they're able to pick up on it, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, they're going to end up feeling that exact same feel. They're going to end up relating to that emotion and that epicness in the storytelling that you're telling here. They're going to feel that in the music and it's just going to become this much larger and grander thing going forward. It's going to be something that, I mean, it's, it's going to be somewhere if you want to just make a video game soundtrack and have every single boss fight stand out. You could probably pick one song off of Trinity for 13 different boss fights, and it's going to hit every step of the way. So anyone willing to make, anyone trying to make a big, giant, epic video game and looking for 13 songs for boss fights, um, why, don't, why, don't we, why don't you just talk to the Gloom in the Corner? They've got a whole album set up for you. In that, in that same vein, I am off mute yet, yeah. In that same vein, uh, Trick Tech, please hit us up to put us in Killing 4-3. I would very much appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Did oh, you ever play my. the Killing Floor series? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be absolutely epic. We got. I mean, so is that is that a for sure thing, or is that just a wish list thing? I couldn't hear for the first part. Oh no, that's a wish list thing. That's definitely a wish list thing. 
Well, now we got to make sure it happens because you listen to this album and it's going to make sense to put something like that on there. It's just that big of a story. It's that big of a sound where you're not going to want to miss out on it. We can also put like all characters on it too. Like there's so many different facets. We have like fucking six characters to choose from. They can definitely live in the Killing Four universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got you've got you've got six major characters to pick from, and honestly, you can yeah, create one, song. two, yeah. three. You can create all the way to six, and you can make it as good as possible. It could be as grand as possible. It could be as awesome as possible. Like, man, I'm gonna want to play that game if you guys start putting your own characters in there. Exactly. No problem. Um. Yeah, for sure. It's so much fun. Plus, I'd have to do all the dialogue lines to, like, Sherlock and Jay and everything, and I think I'd just get a hoot and a holler out of that. Yeah, then you could literally be, you know, featured in a full video game, not only with your music, but also as a voice actor for those characters. Yeah, that'd be fucking so much fun. <laughs> all right, that's uh, it. There's definitely going to be yes. a tick. I'll put it this way. There's definitely going to be a little TikTok short Instagram reel that's going to be made on that. We're going to be tagging everybody in that one and be like, hey, protect place <laughs> we're, we're gonna make the happen. it's like um just just check this out you're gonna want to why it's gonna be epic you're not it's gonna fit the style you're not gonna miss out on it all right now here's another question on this album that i'm gonna ask you it might be hard to pick from because there might with with a lot of these people being your friends as well and whenever i ask a question about a favorite thing on an album it's a pick one out of all those songs I always describe it as it's like trying to pick your favorite children. It's really impossible because I know you probably love all of them, but I really want to ask the question because I love to hear the response. So if you had to pick one, like one of those features uh, that you have on the album as like the feature where if you're going to want to get into the gloom in the corner, if you're going to want to get into this album, which song that has that person featured on there is going to be the one that you say, check out this one first and then go from there. Probably. I mean, it's a three way tie. It's kind of like, yeah, as you said, it's like asking to choose a favorite child. Um, it's a three-way tie between probably Monique, Joe, and Rio. <laughs> and I can easily understand where you're coming through on all of those. Specific, yep. Honestly, specifically Rio, because listening to Ronan, just hearing Rio's voice on there, it adds so much more of this... I don't know, it's like a certain anger and just absolute ferocity going so full, like full force into this song to the point where I think this was the one I started sending even my friends to. I'm like, if if I if this song is still out as a single, like let's send out, I looked it up all of a sudden, okay, it was out as a single. All right, I sent it to like 10 different people and thought, you know, you might be having a bad day at work on a Monday. You might need something that's going to make you just either bang your head or make you want to start a mosh pit in the office, in the hospital, wherever you might be working with so I started sending out to people because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And everyone's like, oh yeah, we'll take a look at it. We'll take a look at it. And I just said, yep, please send me what you guys think afterwards. And most of the, most of the responses were, Kevin, I can't believe this actually exists. Like, this is awesome. <laughs> is there more? I'm like, oh, there's going to be more. <laughs> oh, there's going to be. <laughs> give it a couple of weeks, there will be. <laughs> it's like, give it a little bit of time, there will be. I, they, I mean, I still haven't told them about the... Because I've got friends that are huge Fit for a King fans. So, of course, when you have Ryan Kirby on there as a feature, I'm going to want to send him that one. The one with Joe from Fit for Knob Tops with Hail the King. My God, that one just goes so full force into everything. His voice sits so perfectly in there to really encapsulate the narrator in the story, especially towards the end of the story. Woo! Man, you guys still oh, picked yeah. a great one on that one. And even Monique from the from the second from song with, the, with yeah. Obliteration Imminent. 
I mean, just hearing that female voice in there to really add to Rachel's character just really adds so much more power. And even in like the slower bit of that breakdown, when you're mixing the cleaner vocals from her with more unclean vocals from yourself, it just really brings forward more of this like with the breakdown that you guys have on there. I mean, it I has that like slower, more feel to it, but you have this gigantic epicness between Monique's clean vocals and your unclean vocals at the same time as well. It adds so much more power to that one step forward, two steps back that Rachel really goes through in this whole entire song uh, album. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that was kind of the aim with it too. I think also like we just kind of wanted to showcase Mon a lot as well. I mean, that's kind of the case with a lot of the guest vocalists actually. Was that like I was saying to somebody the other day? Um, that when we gave out all the guest vocal spots to everybody, we were very much like, hey, the lyrics have to kind of stay the same just because of story reasons. And they're like, that's okay. Um, but as far as like phrasing or melody or an infliction and everything like that, you guys can go nuts with it. Like it's entirely up to you guys. And I think that's kind of what makes the guest vocal spots on this record super special as well um i feel like that like a lot of the time now whenever bands get guest vocal spots not all of them but a lot of the times when bands get like guest vocal spots you can tell that like it's like oh yeah do you just want to jump on this song like do it like this please and then there's not really much of a guest vocal spot to me like there's been very few guest vocal spots in the last few years that i could pick out of a lineup and be like oh i really enjoyed that guest vocal spot um and as somebody who grew up like with those guest vocal spots, which were like notable guest vocal spots, I really wanted to make sure that I captured that in this record to make like not just like the spot special, but make the character their own too. Yeah, and like what you guys are able to do with this one, especially with all those different vocals features, you're able to get to that part of the story and show these the uh, artists and everyone that helped you out with this, show them the part of the story that they were going to be on, the character they were going to be a part of, and let them really take it over as well. So you get this whole entire, just gigantic flowing feel through each song where this character has gone through a certain arc. So when you're talking about, you know, you're talking about the character of Rachel and you have Monique, uh, in this, in, uh, obliteration, uh, in obliteration imminent on that song, when you're really letting her full go full force with Rachel, you're feeling a different feel on the whole entire idea of that. When you have Rio on Ronan, it just adds so much more ferocity to the character of Ronan going through it. And then as you keep going on and on, it just, you let these vocalists really take charge in all this. And it allows the story to feel more fully fleshed out because everyone's showing a different perspective of that character. But because the story is so ever evolving and these characters are going through, going through so much, their character arc is constantly changing one spot after the next. They're going through so many different things they're going through so much change and that change is shown why, by letting so many of these different features really taking charge with every step of the way. So by the time you get from like, you know, song two to song number nine, the arc of Rachel is going to be really starting to show a different change. And by having someone else's perspective on that, it really amplifies that change going forward, especially. And then once you get to good old song number 11, which we already talked about. I want to make sure you get the song right. Nor Hella Fury, when there is no feature on there, but it's basically about Rachel just, you know, lose like going unhinged and just going absolutely nuts. <laughs> Having you just basically go full force in on it. I mean, it just it shows a whole other different side to it too, just without even a feature. It shows so much more of this heavier side of kind of, I'm done with this. Take no prisoners. Take no prisoners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, as far, actually, no, I just remembered when it came to the pop culture stuff as well, just in regards to Rachel. Um, I guess kind of like as a tongue-in-cheek way, but like Obliteration Eminent was named after Dead Space as well. Ooh. Specifically Mission 4, which is Obliteration Eminent, where you have to like shoot out all those meteors and stuff like that. But I felt it was kind of fitting considering that like, I guess you could say like a lot of, have you played Dead Space? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, basically the main character is Schizo. Um, <laughs> no, but like he, he constantly kind of like, he's basically gone to the ship to, that's like infected with monsters to make sure that his girlfriend's all right and he kind of gets to the end and his girlfriend's not alive. Um, so like all the voice messages and stuff like that in the story that he's getting from her are actually like it's past tense. And he's kind of, like, skipping out the entire time because he has, like, visions of her and everything like that, which I guess is kind of, like, what inspired um, Jay's character arc with Rachel in uh, the previous arc. And so with Rachel kind of losing her mind at the same time throughout, like, throughout the record, Obliteration Imminent found, like, felt like a fitting name to kind of name the song as it kind of, like, referenced itself indirectly to Dead Space, which also kind of followed like Isaac just completely losing his mind on the USG Ishimura. But yeah, I thought that was a little cool little tidbit to add in as well. <laughs> it, just, it adds so much more lore to it as well. Now, people that have played Dead Space, they might re- just pick up that right away and say, huh, why does this name on this track seem eerily familiar to something I know? I mean, for yeah. someone like myself, I've never played Dead Space, so this is something that I wouldn't necessarily pick up on. But that's one of the beauties of everything that you have with this album when it comes to all these different references that you're making, all these different little, little subtle nods that you're making. Like we talked about with the Halo one, the Gears of War one with Doom. All these different subtle nods and references, if you know what those references are, it's such a cool thing to pick up on. But if you yeah. don't know what those references are, you're still able to understand fully where the song is going, where the arc of the story is going, how the emotions really play into there, and you're able to feel just the grander scheme and go through that whole entire story of, you know, introduction, initial conflict, rising action, climax, falling action, resolution type style. Or in this case, it was like falling action and then doom. Not really resolution, just doom. Just doom. <laughs> yeah, but like following, the icon, of, icon of sin moment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like following through with that whole entire arc, it's still, even with those like the little uh, subtle nods, all those different things, just those little samples or just those little ideas that you have in there. As an audience, if you don't know what they are, you're still able to pick up on those same different emotions based off of the content, based off of the flow of the instrumentation, based off of those different little orchestral pieces you put in there to really continue to uh, flow the story forward. It comes out, it was such a great tone and such a great passion overall where... I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, there's no way that anyone can should be able to listen to this album, you know, just, okay, I'm going to piece this one together. No, 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 no. Literally, go from top to bottom. You're going to want to feel this full entire story go through all the way from the beginning, all the way till the end, because once you get to the end, once you get to Hail the King, and of course, once you get to hear Joe from Fit for an Autopsy's vocals on there, it is so much more powerful. It comes across so much more evil in a way but that's where the story goes at the end like that's where it's gonna end up and you want to have that whole entire journey to go from top to bottom on this album to make sure that when you get to hail the king when you get to its eight minute closing track flow 
you want to feel every bit of it. You don't want to get lost in it. Like you don't want to be like, oh, I wonder what's going on here. Oh, why are they going so heavy? You want to know why you're going so heavy. You want to know why you're going from that. You, you want to feel all of that story in there. It's like if I would say uh, listening to uh, Welcome to the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. You don't want to just start yep. right at that final chorus and then go from there. It's like, yeah, it still sounds cool and epic, but you want that whole entire lead in there so that when you get to that final chorus, that's when the goosebumps start popping up on your skin. You start feeling those chills going down your spine. You're thinking, whoa. Like, that's what you want to yeah. do. You need to have that. You need to listen to this album from top to bottom to get to that point to really feel the power that is behind Hail to the King, that is behind Joe's feature. There's so much behind there. Oh, 100%. And that's kind of like why we chose him as well. as like we wanted that big bad guy voice to come through as well. Um, uh, I won't say who it is. There you go. Um, but yes, yeah, so that was 100% the aim. Is that like once you kind of go through this journey that the characters have gone through and that, what the fuck is that dude doing on a motorcycle? Anyway, once. <laughs> um, so, I'm just, for those of you who aren't aware, I'm currently doing click and collect, and this dude just. Is that a motorized bicycle? That's hard. Um, <laughs> Australian things. Um, but yeah, no, like, once you get to the end, like, and having Joe come in and having that realization of, like, who this guy is and everything like that, having Joe's voice just kind of kick your teeth in apocalyptically um was a it, it just turned out so well like i'm so happy with it Oh yeah, understandable because just with, and even when you see that Joe from Fit for an Autopsy is featured on the song, just from the outset of it, you know, and looking at all the other vocalist features on here, you see Joe on there. Immediately, if you know Fit for an Autopsy, your mind is going straight to, this is going to be the heavier side. This is definitely going to be something that's going to be deeper. It's going to fit more with that death core kind of feel. So where in the story is this going to go? What's the depth of this? How evil is this going to feel kind of thing? So that yeah, already 100%. is, that connotation is already in your head and it's embedded already just because you know what fit for an autopsy is like. If you listen to their album from the beginning of 2022, you're just like, oh dear God. Yeah, we're into this. So it makes so much sense. And I mean, so much sense. I have them on there at that part because it shows again, when you're talking about, you know, that climax falling action instead of that resolution, it goes Climax, falling action, and then doom. It, it just, it, it fits to have Joe on there to really add the vocal range to that doom feeling. Oh, 100%. Um, the way that his guest vocal spot actually came about is really funny too. Oh, sorry, not not like came not came about per se, but like the way that it kind of happened. Um, so we actually ended up doing a tour with Fit for an Autopsy when they came down here in July. Um and we obviously met Joe on the tour and everything like that. We became like good friends. Um, he's a sweetheart too. It's quite literally like one of, if the nicest dude that I have ever met when it comes to touring. Um, and <laughs> we were kind of like chatting at the end of the first date after Adelaide. And I was like, oh, jokingly, I was like, oh yeah, like you should get up and do your spot at the end of Hail to the King. And he's like, ¿Qué pasa? Like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, <laughs> You did a guest vocal spot for us at our new record, yeah? And he's like, yeah. Oh, I did the guest <laughs> vocal spot for you guys. 
So what happened? Because he was one of the people that uh, Tuck organized, um, when Tuck sent through the guest vocal spot, we only sent him like the last two minutes, which was Joe's spot, um, which is absolutely fair enough. But Tuck didn't tell him who the band was. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was very wholesome. It was very wholesome. He was like, oh, you know, like, he's like, oh, this is so sick because like now we're touring together and everything like that. And he's like, we should do this spot. And I'm like, no, it's an eight-minute song. We're not playing the fucking song. <laughs> but it would be cool. We'll do it in the future one day. It'll be cool. We'll come over. We'll do it. It'll be fun. <laughs> It'll be cool, dude, at some point. But now that is hysterical. The point where you were two with them, it's just like, yeah, we'll do Oh, wait, that was you guys I did that for? Oh, yep. shoot. This is a light bulb moment. Like, you just had no idea. Which I think is super funny. Well, when you're talking about him being one of the nicest guys to tour with, I, I kind of can pick up on that, too, because I actually uh, interviewed Pat from Fit for an Autopsy right at the uh, beginning yes. of 2022, and it was on their off day, so he was doing it at, like, the middle, like in a lounge spot in a, in a shopping mall, and all of a sudden, here come the rest of the guys, and I'm like, what are they, like, what are they all carrying? And they're like, guys, we got candles. Like, they just, they went to the mall, death guys, buying candles. Yep. And when I did it happen? Definitely see Tim and Joe doing that. Yeah. Oh, Joe! And Joe was so ecstatic and happy with. He's like, guys, look, candles. <laughs> that's, that's one thing I'll never forget about Fit for an Top. So when I you brought up, so when you brought up the fact that Joe is all you know, one of the nicest guys to tour with, it just it just fits, man. It just fits. It was real funny too, because like um, on that tour, I don't think. They realized, just making sure that I'm filling these orders correctly. Um, I don't think they realized how cold the Australian winter can actually get. There's kind of this like misconception, right? That because we're down under, um, we're always at a boiling point. That is very much so not the case, especially in country Victoria and country New South Wales. It can get down to minus one and shit like that. Like it gets pretty, it gets pretty cold. So about like, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 30 for you guys. Um, so it can get pretty fucking cold and they weren't prepared for that when they came down, especially so. And so at the Melbourne date when we caught up, I gave him like my jacket and everything, but we also gave him one of our balloon hoodies just because he was freezing his ass off the entire time. And like now every, every time I see it, like every time I see him post stories and stuff like that, he's always wearing that hoodie that I'm like, oh, that's so wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> so um, from doing a feature to you guys to not remembering that he did a feature for you guys to being ecstatic that it was you guys that you did a feature for and you were touring down in Australia to the point where he was freezing his butt off, you gave him a hoodie and now whenever he posts stories, he's wearing he the hoodie. hoodie. Yeah, <laughs> that that is that is as wholesome of a deathcore arc as I've ever heard my entire life. I know it's so sweet. Now I'm actually kind of disappointed that the ch- the time I was able to see Fit for an Autopsy here this year in America had to miss out on it because I was sick. Bad bad time to get sick when oh, Fit for an Autopsy comes around because I wanted to go to that show. I wanted to throw down the pit with those guys because I mean you've seen what they can do live. You've heard that sound. Yes, you've seen what this pits can be like. I mean, I wanted to be in something like that. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're so nice. Like, they're just insanely good musicians, so insanely tight. Like, quite literally one of the best bands I've ever seen. I had the pleasure of actually watching them um, 
a few years ago when they came down with Diodis murder and a mirror and stuff like that. I hadn't heard of them before. Um, and I was standing there with my mate at the time and was like, and he was like, yo, you go watch this band. And I'm like, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> it's, um, I kind of heard the name, but I haven't really like listened to them. And they opened with Hydra and I'm like, this is the heaviest thing I've ever seen. This is fun. <laughs> Bonkers, but yes, very good live band. I very highly recommend going and checking them out when they next come through and you're not sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, the another band I want to check out when I get a chance to is going to be the Gloom in the Corner because listening to these songs, especially the songs that for for me specifically, you guys just go unrelentingly heavy on, like with Hail to the King, because especially with Joe's feature with that heavier style vocal, like with Norhella Fury and with Ronan. I mean, let me put it to you this way. I see a mosh pit happen. I'm like a kid on Christmas that sees that bicycle wrapped up under the tree. I am ecstatic. I can't hold my excitement, and I'm going to run headfirst towards it. So after hearing <laughs> some of these songs, especially, and I got to say it again, especially Norhella Fury, I mean, I, I want to run right into a, a mosh pit, start throwing people around, having a blast. And if all of a sudden, you know, some big gigantic dude, shout out to my friend Nate, comes in and just starts throwing people around and then throws me off to the side and I go flying, I'm just going to sit there and go, worth it, yeah, let's go, and just keep going at it. Like, <laughs> the energy behind your music, especially with the with um, with um this album with Trinity, my God, I, I just want to get, I want to see you guys play live. I want to feel this, this in a live setting. I want to get that crowd going and I want to have everyone glorifyingly smash into each other with that epic feel of the story that you're telling with this arc of, you know, attempted redemption to the point where you get to that, you know, rise in action, climax, one action, and hail the king, doom. Damn. <laughs> and everything's fucked. <laughs> and then the, and then the, and then yeah. your set, I'll say, and then your set ends and we're all sitting down, you know, after the, after your set ends, kind of potentially broken. I might have a couple of broken fingers at that point, just like, yeah, this is how this is supposed to end, I guess. And we still got another band to go on after this. All right, someone reset these fingers for me. We got to go again. I'll, I'll personally walk out into the crowd and reset your fingers for you if that happens. Please, please do, because the last time I broke my fingers at a show, uh, the band did not come out and personally reset them. So that would definitely be a first for me. I mean, like, I'm not a medical expert, but I can definitely give it a red hot try. <laughs> hey, 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 I, I, I'm not a mental expert myself, and I think I did it pretty good, even though my, my one knuckle is a little bit bigger than my other one. You can tell definitely where it broke, but you know what? It's a story to tell. It, it's a, it's a oh, remembrance well. thing, and it's one of my favorite shows from last year, too, that I did that to. So if that was happening, I mean, my God, I'd remember that, and... Okay, now I got a mosh with broken fingers in my hand. How am I going to do this? Okay, I'm going to start throwing people around with one arm with and one just arm. having this hand kept right here because if I get hit there, well, at least it's not bending. <laughs> what What was the show that you went to that you broke your fingers up? Uh, day to remember. Ah, true. <laughs> I was going to say, the last time they played here was a festival and like everybody was like a normie crowd, so there was only like push kids. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> They didn't play um, Mr. Highway thinking about the end. I'm like, bro, come on. Like, you haven't been down here in, like, fucking seven years. Nobody, nobody wants to hear the new songs. No, but, like, <laughs> it, like <laughs> no, I was just like, oh, you know, man, like, come on. Like, you haven't been down here in, like, seven or eight years. Like, I've always played, like, a couple of songs off Homecoming, which, like, people know. And they played, um, I Made a Wax Larry, which made me happy. But, 
I think everybody was waiting for Mr. Highway singing about the end, and then they just didn't play it. And we're like, okay. <laughs> you're, you're sitting there, it's like, come on, you guys haven't been down here in seven, eight years. The one thing we want to do, especially after all that time, is we wanted to disrespect our surroundings. You're oh, no, this was, ju- this was just before the pandemic. Oh. So, yeah, this was just before it happened. So we kind of got sent off with a day to remember in the marshmallow collab. Ah. <laughs> No, we are. Uh, we that was a, it was a good things festival. So we had Parkway Drive headliner, and it was fucked. Um, yeah, the only Australian show of the year. I'm pretty sure that they did, and it was just, they pulled they pulled out like their full European um, live set with like all the Molotov and the string orchestra and all the pyrotechnics and all that shit, and it was fucked. Like it, it's it's cool to see it on video and everything when you watch it on YouTube. It's another thing to witness it live, and it's fucking nuts. <laughs> Well, hopefully in the future we can get you guys, you know, opening up for Parkway Drive. So instead of just witnessing that one time, you get to see that every single night. And you get to warm up the crowd for that every single night. And all of a sudden you're going to see some crazy guys in the pit just going nuts during your set. Trying to get that energy going so that when Parkway Drive goes on, that whole entire place of pit. And it's like, okay, there's a bunch of guys going nuts. Who's in there? Wait, why do I recognize one of those guys? And there's going to be me going, hey, Mikey, how's it going? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> But you need your fingers reset? Yes. Uh, hold on. Elsa, do you need your fingers reset, Kevin? I'm good. Stay, How many of you broken? Stay dive to Parkway Drive. Get set on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. If, if, if that were to happen, I definitely could make my case for being in the next I Set My Friends on Fire video. Yep. 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So also now that, you know, I pretty, by the time this podcast comes out, you know, the album will be out at this point. What are your expectations going forward? And yep. what's the plans for making sure that none of this album hits as, as great as possible for the fans and for you guys. But once 2023 hits, what are the plans for the band going forward? Um, I believe we will be doing a small little headline, headline run or something of that caliber for, uh, Australia. But yes, we're going to be aiming to do a Australian headline run uh, at some stage. We might have a couple of little things to send out this year too. So, what we have planned for next year. I'm not sure how much I'm actually allowed to say, um, but we do have a <laughs> we do have a couple of things um, to send us out for the year for 2022. Um, and then we, I think we're looking at maybe doing a uh, headline run, pardon me, uh, at the start of next year, maybe. Um, and then we're going to try and get over to Europe because logistically, unfortunately, we need to do America just to get our frequent flyer points up, for lack of a better term. Um, because Americans, like <laughs> the US Embassy, looks at visas and go like, "Oh, do you guys have enough points behind you to be a touring band?" When we're like, "Yes," and they'll be like, "No," and I'll be like, "Yes," and I'll be like, "No," and I'm like, "Fuck." So, yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of like you need to kind of establish yourself as like an internationally touring band before you can actually do the U.S. or be applicable for visas, which a lot of a lot of bands, sorry, a lot of people over in the U.S. don't realize. That's why it takes a lot of like a lot of bands, especially from Australia, so long to actually get over to the U.S. because we need to do Europe like a number of times first. It's wild. Um but yeah, so we definitely want to try and hit the U.S. at least by the end of the twenty, by the end of twenty twenty three, if not start of twenty twenty four. Well, I hope you hit the U.S. at some point, either in twenty twenty three or early twenty twenty four, so I can get in those mosh pits and go nuts, you guys. 
But that is one thing I, I, I've seen a lot of different things happen with the Australian bands when it comes to trouble getting over here with visa and everything. We saw the North Lane tour get canceled for 2022. It was supposed to happen in the summer over here in July or June and July. But yeah. I had no idea about the whole frequent flyer points thing. And that's what it's, that's what's looked at as upon like, oh, are you going to get the visas? I never knew about any of that. That is, that is both shocking and enlightening to me at the exact same time. Yeah, it's wild. Like, I've, I've, like I'm sure a lot of, for a lot of people in the touring circuit, like it's common knowledge, but um, yeah, that's why like you'll see a lot of Australian bands before doing the US will do Europe like a number of times before um, heading over to the US. It's also just a huge cost thing as well. Like, especially after COVID, we've seen like the cost of actually getting to the US like pretty much like double and stuff like that. So it's pretty wild. It's just made, it's, <laughs> everything is becoming harder and harder to actually do. But we do want to get over there at least by the end of, by the, at least by the start of 2024. And, and from my perspective, I mean, this is all fascinating to me at the same point in time, it makes so much more sense. And it just adds more context to why bands from Australia are having trouble getting over to the U S as well, because there are so many bands from Australia that I want to see over in the U S and I want to see them like crazy. I mean, even this year already, I've seen Polaris once. I've seen Alpha Wolf twice. I've seen Invent Animate once. And it's like, I want to see so many more of these Australian metal and metalcore bands because you guys just hit and you don't miss. That's such a big key. But the thing is, is I want to see them all. And there comes a time where I just, it's, it just takes some time. But now I know kind of more of the reason why behind it. And it just speaks more to the point where, and this is for everyone out there in the U.S. that is listening. When it comes to an Australian metal, metal, any Australian band that you want to go see, if you have a chance to go see them, make sure you go and see them for two reasons. One, because you never know when they're actually be coming back to the U.S. another time. And secondly, if you want to make sure they come back to the U.S. another time, make sure you go to those shows. Make sure you go and see them live. Make sure you support them. Make sure you go and buy a t-shirt. Make sure you go and buy a vinyl album. Make sure you go support them in some sort of way so that not only are they able to want to come back, but I mean, it, it just makes sense for them to come back because come on, we got to get, we got to get back to the U S we got to make this as economically viable as possible. We got to support these bands. If we want to see them live, we got to be the support behind them. Exactly. Exactly. And that goes not just for us, but every other Australian band that comes over as well. Um, same thing with U S bands coming here. It's only becoming like harder and harder for them to come over to. So it's unfortunately going both ways, apparently, from what I've heard. But yeah, 100%, if you want to see us come over and everything and show the support. Oh, yeah, definitely see why she didn't want those mangoes. Um, but yes. <laughs> yeah, going through because I think even right now as we're recording this, I've been kind of following along with uh, Silent Planet because I know, I know while we're recording this, they're just starting uh, things like a two or three week uh australian and new zealand run which is which is fantastic but i've just all the different logistics that they've had to go through to get there as well i mean it's 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 just wild to me but now it makes so much more sense and it adds so much more to the fact that when bands are able to actually come over from a different country to see whether it's from a, a europe to the u.s u.s to europe australia to europe australia u.s europe and australia to us or europe and the u.s to australia whatever it is these bands aren't gonna be able to make this stuff happen all the time. I mean, like you said, when a day remember came over, there was their first time in seven to eight years. You're, you're gonna want to make sure you, wow. you don't miss out on this stuff. You're gonna want to make sure you see this stuff because you never know when you're gonna get the chance again. 
And the best way, again, to make sure you potentially can get that chance again, go to the show, buy a t-shirt, buy, buy the vinyl album, buy some, any other kind of merch, just go and support them so that they're able to come back and not exactly. have to push it back so far down the line where you have to save for, you know, a number of years in order just to make sure you have a chance to come back. I mean, think about it like buying a, like buying a car. What's the best way to, you know, buy, like, what's the best way to buy a car? If you get that money coming in, flowing, whatever it is. And you want that band to come over, get them, get the money flowing for them. You have the support, you're able to do it. And plus you get good music in it, you know, some good merch out of it too. It's a win-win. Win-win. Everybody wins. You get good merch, we get money. We can tour. <laughs> I mean, if, tunnels, but I mean, you're just going to go find that, uh, that sweatshirt that you guys gave Joe and all of a sudden just show it's like, yeah, get the same show, shirt, sweatshirt as uh, Joe from Fit for an Autopsy. You've seen it on his story. <laughs> it supports yeah. us to come over to the U.S. and play with Fit for an Autopsy. Huh? 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 Imagine if we did. I think that would. I think me and Joe would just drive each other nuts for a little bit. To be honest. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see some of the crazy stuff you guys would pull off on stage. All of a sudden, you know, Fit for an Autopsy doing some already. You know, we. I'll send him. My voice is a little bit tired after this one song. Hey, Mikey, come out here and do this one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go on stage, Mikey. What's your what's your prerogative? Every single lyric, watch me. Yeah. Like, what's your prerogative in this song? I just don't want to mess this up, man. Just don't want to mess it up. Just Good don't want to mess it up. Just don't want to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, but if 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 you if but if you if if you give all the energy, you go you go nuts on stage. You really put all your passion into it. Us in the crowd, we're gonna look at that and be like. Yeah, I'm gonna push that guy now, <laughs> and we're just gonna have a blast with it. But with a brand new album coming out, and well, by the time this episode comes out, it will be out with potential big things happening in 2023 in terms of touring, potentially in Australia, potentially over in Europe, and potentially even over here in the U.S. as well. Just best way to you know make that happen is do what you can to support the gloom in the corner. Do what you can to make sure that their album, when it comes to trading makes it as big as possible stream it download it buy it whatever you can do go get some merch go do anything you can do to help out these guys because we want to make sure that they make it over to the united states make it over to europe and have a successful tour at home in australia if and when that happens indeed 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 and mikey as we bring this podcast to the conclusion one thing i always like to do is give you a chance to say whatever you want to say plug whatever you want to plug promote whatever promote at the end of the episode so my friend the floor is yours Give me one stick. I'm just dropping the order. Okay. Uh, first of all, shout out to Andrew for letting me do this interview while I'm dropping orders for everybody. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, Trinity drops, drops October 28th, um, go pick up a pre-order, go pick up the vinyl. Anybody who knows me or follows me on any of my socials know how much I don't like vinyl. Um, <laughs> so, um, order all the merch, come see us at the show, come say day. Um, I'll reset your fingers for you, even though I legally probably shouldn't because I'm not a licensed <laughs> practitioner. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's everything. All right, now it's time for me to close this episode with three very specific specific things. So first, the gloom in the corner, 
their album Trinity will be out on October 20th. So it'll be out by the time this podcast comes out. So best way to go and make sure that you're not only following along with the band, following along with Mikey, and to make sure that you know everything there is to know about the band when it comes to more new music, more music videos, when the tours are going to happen, where to get the merch. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the description of this podcast because they find the gloom in the corner online. There is going to be labels for all their social media accounts. There'll be labels for Mikey's as well. There's be labels to where you can stream them, where you can buy their merch, where you can go and support them in every step of the way so that you do not miss out on a chance to get in the know with this band. You do not miss out on your chance to listen to this absolute behemoth of an album that is called Trinity. And on top of that, so you can support the band when they play their live shows and when Whenever, honestly. I mean, that's what the merch is for. Go get yourself some merch. You can look as good as Joe from Fit for an Autopsy with a hoodie. Trust me. <laughs> it, you, you can look just that good. So links are up to the podcast. Say find the Gloom in the Corner online. Links, labels, everything. I'm literally doing all the hard work for you guys. All you have to do is click that link, and it'll take you right there, and you just have to do the rest. So I'm. it's like lead a horse to water. All you got to do is drink it. Basically, the whole entire <laughs> concept of that. Now it's time for number two, Mikey. So whenever I've guessed in the podcast, I enjoyed having on the podcast – I tend to make a certain promise, and I knew this was an absolute lock when you said, if I break my fingers on your show, you will come and reset them. So my promise to you is this, sir. I cannot start out this promise with an if. I will not do that. If implies that this might not happen, and I say, screw it. This is starting out by saying when, because we know it's going to happen, but date and time is yet to be determined, because... When I get to see you perform live for the first time, I don't care if it's in Europe, I don't care if it's in Australia, I don't care if it's over here in the United States, which is probably more likely, but I don't care where it is. When I get to see you perform live for the first time, Mikey, my promise to you is this, and that is, first round's on me. <laughs> well, I think there's going to be many rounds where Australia so we drink like fuck. Sorry. <laughs> well, the city that I come from, I'll, they nick- I'll put it this way. The city <laughs> I come from, they nickname it the brew city because of how much beer we uh, brew here. So I Hell might yeah. be able to, I might be able to hold my own. <laughs> maybe we'll <laughs> see. I'm not going to try and overinflate that, but maybe we'll see. But Mikey, maybe as we'll we bring say. this podcast to its full conclusion, I cannot say goodbye because this was fantastic. This album is awesome. I made a promise that first on me when I get to perform live for the first time and in the future, would I like to be back in the podcast? The answer to that is yes. So I can't end this by saying goodbye. That's way too final. So Mikey, I'm in this podcast by saying this. I'll see you later. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> Well, folks, that was my interview with Mikey from the band The Gloom in the Corner. Once again, their album Trinity is available now, so please go and listen to it. A lot of these songs are absolutely epic. I'll let you know right now. I mean, we talked about Ronan featuring Rio, formerly of Crystal Lake. I was a big fan of that song. Also, make sure you go listen to Red Clouds featuring Crystal Jelena, Elijah Witt, and Rachel Jefferson. Also, listen to Nor Hell a Fury, and of course, Hail the King featuring Joe Botolato from Fit for an Autopsy. Go and make sure you listen to this whole entire album, though, Trinity, from top bottom to really feel the full entire story, the epicness. And then when you get to hit all the king, you feel the sheer power that Joe's voice really brings to the song. Go follow the band on social media. Go follow Mikey on social media. Go, you know, support the band. Stream it, buy it, download it with the album. Um, buy some merch to make sure that they can make it over to the U.S. and make it over to Europe for 2023 and make sure they have some good, good live shows behind them. Best way to do this is go to the description of the podcast where it says find the Gloom in the Corner online. Links and labels for everything there. I'm doing all the hard work, leading the horse to water. All you got to do is drink. Also, be sure to remember to follow along with the Corporate Rush Podcast. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok for your viewing pleasure. You can watch these episodes on YouTube, so subscribe to our YouTube channel, or you can subscribe audio stream-wise, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, 
iHeartRadio, Amazon, and many other places that we are on the audio stream platform. Shout out to Noah Britton from Britain Media for helping us out with that. You duh man. Please remember to hit that subscribe button. If you're already subscribed, if you're subscribing right now, I want to give you a huge thank you because this is awesome. This is, you know, gives me life, gives me the positive energy. So we're going to roll with it. Also, if you're not subscribed, you're like, I don't want to subscribe. Please reconsider. If not, thank you for stopping by anyway. You're always welcome back here on the Chord Progression Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Also, remember, thank our sponsor, Manscaped. 27 free shipping code CPP at checkout. Get something for the man in your life or the person in your life. Show that you care about their boys down there this holiday season. Thank you, Mikey, once again. And yes, first round's on me, but probably going to be a lot more because, well, we going to go nuts when that happens. So remember to listen to Trinity, everybody. Follow along with the gloom in the corner. And that's going to be for me, guys. Thank you for watching this to the Core Progression Podcast. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how I love every single one. So think healthy and hearty. See y'all.